Welcome to the Manufacturing Masters Podcast with your host, Allison DeFord. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Masters Podcast. You guys are going to learn so much today from my guest, Ken Cho. He's the founder of Our Sales Coach, and he is your sales coach. Let me tell you why, because he doesn't just teach you or coach you in succeeding at your goals or exceeding your goals. He also helps you and your team reduce stress. Now, how many sales coaches are talking about that? He is also an expert on the Manufacturing Masters platform. And today we jump into a topic I'm pretty sure you've encountered. When you are mandated, or maybe you have mandated, we've got to increase our sales by 10%. And everybody goes, okay, go. (laughs) Ken has a framework that he's going to talk about today. There's nine points, super easy to follow. I learned a lot. And he is going to show you how to stop and ask some really smart questions before you just jump in and go. This is going to help you be way more effective in growing those sales in a more manageable and meaningful way. Join me, won't you? This is going to be a good one. Everybody, here we grow. Mr. Ken Cho, thank you so much for joining us today on the Manufacturing Masters podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so excited. I think today's topic is something that's probably either every manufacturer listening has been a part of or has mandated. And that is, what do you do when your CFO says or demands, hey, we need to increase sales by 10%. Go. And everybody's just supposed to scramble, right? And and you are an expert on the Manufacturing Masters platform, um, besides running a business and coaching people on sales. And the before we jump into the answer and your framework, which you lay out beautifully in one of your videos on the platform, the two things that I want people to know about you is that you're really good at helping people not just... <clears throat> exceed their goals, but also to reduce stress. And I think that's a very important combo. And so the first thing that you talk about, and I I think this is just brilliant in, you know, the the CFO says that. And normally everybody just gets all crazy and just, what are we going to do? And your suggestion was to stop and ask why. Yeah. Why 10%? Yeah. Right. Well, there's probably a good reason from a financial standpoint, right? They need 10%. Probably what they want is 10% on the bottom line because right. they need to invest or they need more profit or they need to reduce debt. Good reasons for that. But, you know, my point is what is their sales strategy? And um, from a sales perspective, because we work with all our clients against the goal. And when I ask a business owner, okay, what's your sales goal? It's not, not uncommon for me to get a response. Well, 
I think based on last year's production, we can increase sales by 10%. Well, what's the strategy in that? And so what they really need to do is to think about, okay, what is our opportunity this year and into the future? Where are the growth, where's the growth potential? And how can we gain more profitable business from our existing customers or mm -hmm. from new customers that are like them or and which products? And they don't really think about that. And I think most of the time, predominantly, you know, manufacturers, they come to us because they aren't being as proactive as they'd like to be. They're highly reactive. Right. Or they're really relying on distribution companies to really open all the new doors for them, and they have no control over that. And so they want to take things in their own hands and be more strategic. So that's that's really the first step is just to think about, okay, where is our opportunity and how what can we expect from that? So let's take the distributors, for example. Okay. You know, I have a, a client I was with yesterday and- and when I first started working with, uh, they had one salesperson in, in the Americas. And I started working with him. And this we they were 100% reliant on dis distributors. And they still are. But they really didn't, they had a, a wide variety of activity levels and results. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I started working with him about, okay, let's let's look at what your market share is. There's two companies that they compete with that have each about one third of the market. So right there, they're at 67% of the market. The, the rest is spread over people, companies like him. So how, you know, what he needs to do is steal some of their market share. And he had some distinct advantages in certain applications against those people. So let's figure out, okay, how, who are these customers and how are we going to get more of them? And so as we started doing that, you know, he increased his sales 54%. Then they made him the area president. So now, wow. so now we went out and hired a, you know, a regional salesperson in an area of the country where their distributorships were, um, you know, particularly weak. And now he's out there making direct sales in areas where they have no representation and looking for more dis distribution companies to partner with sitting down with these distribution companies saying, hey, here's our top 20 targets. What are you guys doing? Uh, you know, we don't care about, okay, I don't think you're the right fit. You know, <laughs> maybe right. we'll get somebody else. But, you know, setting expectations based on what you think you can do in the markets where you should be and where you can gain the most profitable business, that's where you start. Because now you have that strategy then you can go and you can develop a go-to-market plan. So in other words, what channels are going to get the decision makers on the phone, right. schedule meetings, and then close some more business? And then what's your sales process? And once you look at that, you can now determine how can we grow our resources in order to continue to capture those opportunities and learn from what's happening, what our results are in order to say, okay, well, maybe we should, in addition, 
go over here, or maybe this this particular market wasn't as strong as we thought, but we found out that there's more opportunities over here, and and you can then now design your sales force, your marketing or sales resources accordingly, um, you know, and uh, and then be able to take advantage of where your opportunities are. Do you think that it's in very common for manufacturers to look outside their existing customers, look beyond for these new sales instead of taking advantage of the low-hanging fruit that's right there in their backyard? Well, I, I think they should be doing both. And, and it really depends right. on... It really depends on the market and who they are, you know? So I, I was with another client this week and, uh, you know, they are, they have a lot of existing customers and they have, they're fortunate. They have a lot of business coming in, uh, you know, just, just naturally by being there. And this is not, this is not uncommon as well. So they don't really have salespeople. They have account managers, you know, okay. and the business owner will come to me and say, you know, I'm so tired of hearing from a customer, geez, I didn't know you did that. Well, that's a really good indication that you, whoever you have having customer contact is not conding them enough, right? Right. right. You know, there, there's that, that's a good indication that to some extent you have an undersized sales force perhaps or account management team. And, you know, so if there's opportunity there, then you need to, right? But a lot of people will say, well, geez, you know, I need to keep quoting. I need to keep quoting. Well, do you? You know, I mean, this particular customer, you know, I, you know, she, she was saying, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time to do everything. I, well, let's, let's take a look at what you do. And so she said they do, uh, she's, I think she said 35 to 45 quotes a day. Wow. Right, and I, and I actually wrote this down. So she do she does uh, thirty five to forty five quotes a day, and she now they didn't really track as well what their close rates were, but if you uh, and so she said you know the owner said she he thought it was around uh, thirty to forty percent close rate, but even then. You know, doing thir that many quotes a day, that's 225 a week times 52 weeks. That's 11,700 quotes. Okay. And I'm like, well, if you don't have enough time, I can tell you where you're, you're going to find time. Those 65% of those quotes that never went anywhere. And she goes, well, it only takes me five to 20 minutes to do a quote. Okay. So let's see. 65% of 11,700 is 7,605 quotes times 12 minutes. That's 96,000 minutes. That's 1,521 hours a year. That's a wow. lot of time. Right. And, the, you know, so is it, is it with existing customers? You know, your existing customers, your close rate should be more in the 70, 80% range because they know you, they know how good you are. You're helping them every day. Okay. And so if, if there's low, you think there's low hanging fruit here in your existing customer base, take a look at that because 
some, you know, I, I used to sell large funded air conditioning equipment. And I knew that there were some customers that every single job they got, I would get. As long, mm -hmm. as, as, long as I could sell the equipment. Then I would know there were some customers that if I gave them three quotes, they would give me one. But it's the nature of the relationship because I could go into the the office of the person who made the decision on the bigger deal. And he would say, listen, have you take a look at, taken a look at that job over here? You know, I know I owe you one. Okay. And, and I knew I wasn't going to get every deal. But that, you know, that was the kind of relationship where, yes, this customer is worth more of my time. Right. So you have to really take a look at your customers and who are those top tier customers and who really is worth your time and which ones may not be. And then you can determine, okay, how many new customers do we need to get? I had another customer uh, last year we, we worked with uh, and they were, um, they wanted to grow 30% and they make batteries okay. and and they wanted to grow 30%. Well, they were tracking 55%, 55% after about six months. And, you know, we took a look at that and we, and there was one big competitor, the, the, the 10,000 pound gorilla. Mm -hmm. Every time they went to talk to a prospect, they would say, oh, we use these guys. They go to talk to somebody else. Oh, we use these guys, right? But they had some distinct advantages. And so they started to capture their market share. Now, in their in their industry, there were four major customers. And they were growing at 55%. And they weren't doing any business with any of those four. But if they the rate they were growing at that 55%, in three years, they were going to have more than half of the United States market. You know, they were just eating up the market from their competitor. And then we got business from three out of the four big guys. So now they're going to really be taking over, you know, majority of the, the, the world market. So they, you know, we what we started just by looking at who are, who are the customers and let's go capture more market share based on where we have advantages in the marketplace. And that's how they were growing. Then we started to develop the new customers, those four big guys. So right. because that was real strategic for them. So in that case, yes, it made sense. Go, let's go get some new customers. Um, but now once you're actually more proactive in the marketplace, it really gives you, it gives you the, I, the, the uh, insights as to who is it that really needs what you have now or uh, more appropriately, who really appreciates the extra value that you provide? <laughs> and then your sales yes. team, in, with that knowledge, uh, they are now selling value, not selling the price. You know, people are just throwing right. quotes out there. They're selling the price. You And you talk about that in, in that particular video you talk about do we need more of the same or do we need more but different more ideal so how do you suggest figuring out which you need 
Do we need more of the same or do we need more but different? And what you said a moment ago, I think is the answer. You said you become more proactive in the industry. How do you encourage manufacturers to become more proactive? In what ways do you recommend? Yeah, well, again, it starts with really uh, analyzing your market, okay? So you start with where your existing business is and who are your customers and who and segmenting, segmenting your market. Okay. So you, you've got to segment your market. And sometimes when you find that you do that, there's some customers that, uh, that need different products. So, right. and a lot of times how you sells different products can vary because some products maybe are more technical or or they require more service. Mm -hmm. And so how you go to market might be different. Well, depending on the customer segment and also on the products that they need. Okay. So you, you need, that's the first step because once you have that analysis and you don't have to get it right the first time, you just have to have some strategy. Then you can figure out, okay, is it with existing customers? Is it with new customers that are like the existing customers? Or is it that new, you know, maybe new markets? That's always hard. Opening up a new market where you can, you know, apply your expertise in a different new market for you, though, you know, because they don't know you over there or you haven't done it before. Or maybe you need to buy new equipment to be able to do that. Uh, that's always harder and takes longer. But you know, if you if you have you know seventy percent market share in in the area that you operate, it's it's kind of like you know, can you go from a golf score of eighty five to eighty? It's a lot easier to go from one twenty to one hundred, <laughs> right? <laughs> And uh, so sometimes if you really already have a, a very, very high market penetration in where you are, you need to develop a market. That's so. exactly what I was going to ask you next, um, based on what you just said. I had a client who effectively they said, you know, this is a really small niche market. And everybody knows everybody and you're either buying from us or these two guys right so effectively we we were talking with them about marketing to mm -hmm. support sales and yep. they said well we really don't need to market because Everybody knows us. Everybody knows what we do. And, you know, we already have, like, there aren't, there aren't very many, if any, new customers available. And I just, I scratched my head and I thought, okay, I mean, that's a good place to be, but not so good. So yeah. that's what you just said was when you're in that situation, it's time to branch out, right? Could be, yeah. You know, and you, 
So that what you just described was a, a highly mature market. Okay, right. it's it's very mature. There's three players. The people that are buying are knowledgeable. They know mm-hmm. the product. They know what they want. They, there's not a lot of education that's required. Okay, right. maybe there's service that goes along with it. And you know, this is what people usually say in a market like that. Oh, we provide better service. Well, okay. So there's three other competitors, and I know what they're doing is they're going and talk to the customers that you want. They're saying you should do business with me because our service stinks. Right? That's what they're saying, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. But if you don't have some differentiation, you're not going to be able to steal their customer. And that's what you, in a mature market, your opportunity for growth is to steal someone else's customer. By the way, those other two companies know that as well. That's their (laughs) objective. They're trying to steal your customer. So you've got to hold on to them fiercely. And if, but if you have, so, you know, during COVID, there was a lot of people who could, could do that, could capture market because they didn't have the logistics log jam because they were smart. They were buying stuff and they had inventory. And just by having inventory and being able to deliver, they were able to capture more market share. And that's still going on today, by the way. But at least that's something you have different. Look, you can get your product. I have customers that sell large uh, medium voltage transformers. And they are buy- they're a they are a wholesaler and they are buying they're they have manufacturing slots and they're using them very strategically because their customer their competitors aren't doing that. And so what they're doing is they're going to their distribution companies that they sell to and they're saying let's be strategic and let's put some inventory in strategically therefore we have a competitive advantage and now we can command a higher price, okay? And that's smart. And but because you you have a, a differentiation, which is lead time, mm-hmm. you know, it, it you you have to have some sort of differentiation. Otherwise, you do need to, to develop a new market, and well, maybe it's an acquisition strategy as well. I don't, you know, I I need to know more about what the the market opportunity is for them, but. Um, you know, you, if you, if you want to capture more market share, you have to really understand where your differentiation is. And if your product isn't specifically out, you know, miles, you don't have the Mercedes and you're competing against the, the, um, the Chevrolet. Okay. Then that's a differentiation, right? Mm-hmm. I have, I drive a Lexus and when I go to the dealer to get my car service, they do, uh, they, they, Vac clean my car. They they wash it. They vacuum it. They, you know, it's by appointment. They're very consultative. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that from from anybody, any other you know uh, auto repair shop, uh, because people when they buy quality, they expect exceptional service. Right. And but if you don't have that differentiation, then. It's not, it's more than service. It probably is service, but it's how you do the service. And you have to be very specific and it has to be, it has to be something that the customer really values. Otherwise it doesn't mean anything. It's just something you say. Well, 
<clears throat> you talk, I want to talk quickly because believe it or not, our time is just flying by. Um, one thing you, I want to cover the points that you talk about in this, in one of your videos on the site about this. So first question, why 10%? Two, what is the CEO telling the CFO, right? What, wh where's this coming from? Three, are we going to grow this with existing customers or new customers or a mix? Uh, four, do we want more of the same or do we want to look at a new ideal, better fit um, prospective customer? And then you talk about setting expectations which I love that. The difference between, and I wanna to add to that and see what you think about this. I learned a while back, there's a difference between expectations and agreements. Expectations are set, but then an agreement should be made, right? If there's an agreement, that means people both went like this, yes. If there's just an expectation, let's say you set it, but you didn't define it clearly. It's not in writing. It's, you know, a lot of times expectations are here. So do you agree that setting expectations and then we all agree, right? Yeah. That this is what we're going to do. Right. This makes yeah, sense. Exactly. This is so important what you're saying, especially when you're dealing with a distribution network. Because so the, the the client I was talking about before the one where the uh, the gentleman got promoted to area president now I'm working with his regional salesperson and they really didn't have a good handle on who was buying the equipment so would they make machines that that um, that manufacturers use to make their products okay cutting okay. equipment and. And they didn't really know. Okay, who's who are the the customers, or where are these potential customers? They know what materials they we could they could define to me what an ideal customer was, but they really didn't know where they were and who they were. So that was a step number one. Okay, let's get a list of all of where these customers ideal define who these ideal customers are and get a list of them. Okay, now he can go to these distribution companies and say, look. Here's the companies we want to do business with. Are you talking to them? Right. Well, right now we know exactly how much market share we have in this region based on this customer base. Are you talking, you know, what's your plan to get more of this business? Okay. And, and that's what I mean by expectation. You have your own expectations about a realistic projection of how much of the business you can get, business you can get based on the customer segment. Okay. Right. And then you now set those expectations and you talk about what's our, you know, what are we going to do <laughs> right. to get this business? Do your salespeople talk to these people? How are they talking to these people? Do they know the decision maker? Are they even talking about my equipment? And you know, or are they just going running around saying, can I quote, can I quote, can I quote, do you need a machine, can I quote? And then they're throwing prices out there, not even knowing what they're doing with, it. right? you know, because if that, they, they really then can understand who is doing the selling, what's the nature of their relationships and how are they conducting the sales process? So now if they are 
they, if they're willing to partner with you on getting better, now he, as the direct salesperson, can train them and coach them on how to conduct sales meetings in a more productive way. So when they're giving out quotes, they know what a customer is going to do with it. They know if they're in a comp competitive situation. They know whether they're going to win the business or not. When they don't win the business, they know exactly why, right? It's not like, hey, I threw a quote out there. I don't even know what happened with it. And that's what I mean by expectation. I love that. Um, the The next part of the process that you talk about is, and I think that's what you just said, like point number six is how. How are we going to do this now that we have an understanding? We've created expectations. We're agreeing. Um to make this happen, and I love this, do we need more marketing or sales support? Do you know right. how many times, just from the marketing side of things, right? I see these mandates. We've we've got to grow sales by, you know, by 10%. Go. Everybody scrambles and I say, okay, well, what how are you supporting your your sales team? Well, we're just doing the same thing we've been doing. Okay. Yeah. We're well, we're gonna go to some new trade shows or we're gonna we're gonna increase our booth size. Okay, well, what are you doing that's different? What do you have anything new to talk about? What what differentiators are you leading with? And I cannot tell you how many times I get the no, we don't really have anything new. We're not doing anything special at the booth. Like my point to this is. That question doesn't get asked very often, does it? What do you need to add to sales and marketing? Or is there anything you need more of? Right. Well, the question is, what do you need? And, you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it goes back to the strategy. So let's say, for example, you determine what we, you know, let's go back to the that, that pro problem I'm so tired of hearing, geez, I didn't know you did that. Well, then it sounds to me like you need more account management because your customers have an opportunity to buy more and they don't even know you do that. So they're not getting enough coverage. So maybe what you need if your opportunity is to sell more to existing customers is to get more account managers and then you can spread them out amongst more customers and cover that. Maybe that's the, that's what you need, okay? Right. But, you know, what if you just, you know, let's take the 70% market share. Now you got to go get new market, new customers and new markets, and it's more prospecting, okay? So, you know, then they they, they hire some seasoned person that's my age that maybe doesn't have the energy and, and they want them, hey, go out and prospect and and uh, maybe what they really need is some um, someone with a little more energy and a little get up and go and some resilience that can just bang the phones and start calling people and opening up doors. Maybe that's the person they need. Okay, um, but uh, you know you you need to think about okay what do we need so that we can get the right person and put them in the right role and then. And then they well define what activities they need to do for you to get that 10% result. Okay. So first you need to figure out, okay, what's the market strategy? 
then what are the activities they need to do? Now you can plug in the resources to make sure that the thing, those activities get done. Yes. And, and get then the right person. The last thing that you talk about is tracking. And we're going to end on that. How do you recommend? Because um, I see a lot of companies, they they do, they spend time on all this, but they're really poor at tracking the actual results. Do you have any quick suggestions for tracking all of this better or more effectively? Yeah, that's that's a that that's a whole another webinar, I mean, a whole another podcast. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I got to tell you, I, I find that there's a lot of manufacturers that do not use a CRM, the customer relationship management yes. system, and and they use their uh, ERP system for that or whatever they use for quoting. And yet, because all the customers are in there, and that's great. But they, you know they don't. It's the it's not set up for them, the salespeople, to follow up on and know. Okay, all right, who do I need to call today? Which ones am I going to follow up, and how am I going to do that in a timely manner? It's not. That's what a CRM does for you. Okay, so that you know a lot of times we're just using spreadsheets to be able to do that, which is fine as long as you have a way to Something, remind yeah. yourself and know who is who. If I call nobody else, who am I calling today? Right. Um, but. You know, and you, uh, you know, the problem with using your ERP is that all you, it doesn't get into your system until it becomes a customer or maybe it goes in your system when you do a quote, but what if you're not doing enough quotes? None of the lead activity, the contact information is in there. So your sales process starts with really who is it you're quote contacting? Do you make contact? Then do you have a meeting? Then do you do a quote and do you close the deal? And there's ratios all the way along to determine how efficient you are. What's your close rate? How many meetings is it taking before you get a quote? How many contacts does it take for you to get a meeting? And you don't know where they're getting stuck or where they can improve if you're not tracking all those things and then determining what what is their efficiency ratios or know where they get stuck. So. Um, you know, if you have a CRM and it's set up the right way, you can get all that information. But not everybody does that and not everybody sets it up the right way. It's not complicated. It's, right. And don't you think that a lot of times they assume that it is? It's going to be time consuming, so we'll just not do it. Uh, well, sometimes, they, I mean, if they go out and buy Salesforce, it could be classic. I, I don't want to say anything bad. Salesforce is a great tool, but Just it's not dynamic. for everybody. Right. And, right. Uh, and you know, if if it's not set up the right, if you don't want to take the time, it can take a time to set it up the right way. But if you know what you're doing, it doesn't. So get somebody else that does know how to do it. To do it. That's what I did. Exactly. I I was using HubSpot. My salesperson went, was loved it, but I couldn't get data out. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there was just two of us and it was really just too expensive for me to buy the module. So me to get the data out. So I switched to a different CRM and, you know, and so I just paid somebody to take all my data out of HubSpot, put it into the new CRM and then set up all the analytics the way I wanted it. So now nice. I just need to go use it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, 
Well, man, Kincho, we have to wrap up. I learned so much from you and everybody listening. I hope you did as well. If you want more of Ken, you must follow him on LinkedIn. He is your sales coach. Um, and also, you know, feel free to reach out to him on LinkedIn and also on the Manufacturing Masters platform. Um, his videos are amazing. They are to the point. They are just like today's episode, right? There is a framework and it'll answer a lot of your questions um, so that you can start implementing these things today and, you know, make sales easier. So thank yeah, you great. so much for being here. And is there anything I didn't ask you? Maybe oh, I don't that, know. <laughs> that you sure. that you want to leave people with. Oh, yeah. No, I, really, just stop and think. Stop and think about you know. Make sure that you're really looking at your customer base and and analyzing it. I I'd start with that, you know, because you know who are your top tier customers, and then who are your top tier prospects, and then plan a strategy to go get them. Uh, and get more from them. That's that's where you start. If you do just that, I think you'll be much much happier. And you know, if if any of you need, um, we don't want to have a fifteen minute call about anything that we talked about today and how it might apply to you. I'm happy to jump on a call with you and just brainstorm it. You know, nice. you can reach out Take to me. Take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oursalescoach.com. That's my website. We're redoing it, but, um, and, uh, or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, like Allison said. And Allison, thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. You are so welcome. Everybody, join us next time. And uh, here we grow. Hey, if you're not All already, right. subscribe to the Manufacturing Masters podcast on Apple Music or Spotify. And for a deeper dive, head on over to manufacturing masters.com. It's everything they never taught you in school.